Greetings, Mavuno family! <laughs> it is such a joy to worship God together as a family today. And I am so, so excited to be here. We've got a great audience in the house today as we're, as we're doing this. And hey, hey, if you're a visitor, we're so, so glad you're here. If you're looking for a home church, I don't know how you came here. Maybe you're just stumbling through the web and you saw this live broadcast. Look no further. We're so glad you found us. We're going through a series and it's called Relation Slips. How to avoid sabotaging your relationships. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at five common mistakes people uh, make when they're looking for a married partner. I don't know if you identified with any of them. Uh, do you remember what the mistakes were? The first one was trusting their feelings. And we just talked about the fact that whatever you do, don't trust your feelings. The Bible tells you the heart is deceitful and we don't trust our feelings. We talked about majoring on the minors, focusing on the things that don't really count. We talked about failing to consult wise mentors, uh, dating in isolation, ignoring good friends. By the way, if you missed any of those two messages, you can always go on our website, www.mavunochurch.org, and you'll be able to find uh, and catch up with where you missed out. But hey, 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 the question I want us to ask today is why do so so many of us make these common mistakes. And why is it that even after hearing this message, some of the people watching, in fact, many of the people watching will still make these mistakes in their relationships? And I'm talking about whether they're single or they're married. I believe the reason is that because we as a generation enter into marriage for the wrong reasons. Like we don't understand the purpose of marriage. And today I want to talk about <laughs> some of the wrong reasons that many people are rushing into marriage today. In fact, I want to talk about five terrible reasons to get married. And then at the end, I'm going to talk about three really good ones. <laughs> so please get your notebooks out. Uh, I know most of the people in the house today are single, so I'm so excited that you guys are here and we're just going to be listening to this. But even if you're married, please listen because this helps you understand your foundation and what you need to go back and fix in your foundation. So five reasons, five terrible reasons people are getting married today. And the first one is everybody is doing it. Mm. Everybody is doing it. The social pressure to get married today, often <laughs> we find that it's heating up with time. And even as you grow older, you find the pressure is just increasing. I don't know if you remember the first time when you left college and you're really excited when your first classmate got married. It was like, wow, what a milestone for our class. My goodness, they got married. And then you'd say, can you believe he got married? He's so young. She's so young. And it was like so cute. And you all came. And it was a big deal. And then slowly you just found yourself attending more and more weddings. With time, the stream became a flood <laughs> and it began to feel like everybody was changing their relationship status except you I mean it's not like a thing of Valentine comes and it's like Valentine is coming it's like it's like where 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 is he when is <laughs> oh my gosh some of you are victims of just being lonely in the house and it's like where is your boyfriend where is your girlfriend? And the pressure is building up and the birthdays keep coming and going. And by the time you're heading towards 35, my friend, all your buddies are posting up social media pics of their booze and their bays. And it's like who, where they were, where they went for holiday, which baby showers they were attending, which nursery schools their kids are going to. I mean, it's like, my gosh, for real, social media makes you feel like everyone in the world is getting married except you. But here's the thing I want you to remember. And keep this in mind, that social media, <laughs> social media is only what people want you to see. Nobody ever posts photos announcing that they're not engaged. Is, are you with me here? 
It's like you'll always see the pictures of people posting that they're engaged. But there's a whole bunch of people not posting that they're not engaged. <laughs> it's kind of like how people think there's a lot of plane crashes that happen because they'll always remember the headlines about plane crashes. And you know something? Have you ever noticed there are no headlines about planes that didn't crash? So you, at, at some point you just think all planes just crash. It's just what happens. And that's how social media is. It just makes us feel like we're the on you're only seeing one side of the story. And then number two, that feeling of being overwhelmed. And I just want to help you as a person just understand the feeling of being overwhelmed. What have I accomplished with my life so far? I'm falling so far behind. I thought by this age I'd own this or at least I'd be married, have my own company, have my own kids. These thoughts are common to everybody. You just need to understand that sense of being overwhelmed is common to all. And being married will not eliminate those feelings. In fact, being in a toxic marriage will actually make those feelings worse. So listen to me. Getting married because everybody is doing it is a terrible reason to get married. So that's terrible reason number one. Terrible reason number two to stop the family pressure. Am I talking to somebody here? Because, you know, long before social media was invented, there was a more ancient form of social pressure which was, and it just was hard to ignore and it continues still today. And it's one that many single people dread. You visit your parents, you visit those distant relatives, and you just see people looking at you. First, they look at your fingers, then they look at your waistline. They're just looking for, is there any sign that something has changed? And they just look at you. Some of them will even come out outright and ask you, so, uh, is there somebody... And you're wondering, is there somebody? What do you mean, is there somebody? I'm here. <laughs> it's like, you know, that's not what they're saying. Uh, when are you bringing somebody home? Uh-huh. Uh, you know you're not getting any younger. You know, those are the questions that many people get bombarded with. And what to you if your younger brother or sister gets married before you? Oh, shh. You're never going to live it down. And let me just say this, that many single people today are being driven to stress and to panic because they feel that there's something wrong with them because they're still single. And this family pressure is, it's crazy. I, look, your family probably mean well for you. In fact, most likely, in fact, almost, almost for sure, they mean well for you. Uh, but that by itself is not a reason for getting married. They won't be there when you have to go through the for better or for worse. Because a lot, there's a lot of for worse in marriage, by the way. Uh, and they won't be there. They're the ones who pressured you, but they won't be there to sort out your issues. So here's the thing. My advice, prepare some responses in advance when this pressure comes up. It could be anything like acting like you didn't hear the person, to casually changing the subject, to just saying, by the way, I'm not going to discuss this issue. Whatever works for you, it's okay to make boundaries with your family. But here's the thing. Getting married to stop family pressure is a terrible reason to get married. Reason number three, I can hear somebody saying yes because they're having that pressure right now. It, don't, don't do it, whatever it takes. Number three, to have a beautiful wedding. To have a beautiful wedding. Reason number three, to have a beautiful Let me just say this. People, people, many people today are getting married because they've always wanted to have their dream wedding. And let me just say this. It's okay to have a, a dream picture in your mind and to have a fantasy about it. But let me say today the pressure is so high. Wedding shows don't help on TV. Every different couple every week is trying to outdo the other with more original ideas. Often at greater and greater cost. And many couples take a lot of time. Uh, dreaming, planning, preparing for their wedding day. Much more time, by the way, than they take preparing for their marriage. And you know what? Let me just say this. Marriage is not about a day. <laughs> marriage is about a lifetime. It's the opposite of a day. It's the rest of your life. It's every day, all the time. Forgiving, loving, serving, 24-7, 365. Even when you don't feel like it. <laughs> Let me just say this. Marriage is serious business. It will outlast your career. And remember, you spent at least 16 years and a lot of money preparing, training for your career. 
And so one of the things I like to say to people is, hey, listen, uh, for married couples, I say, invest, continue to invest in your marriage. Because at least, <laughs> in fact, one of the things I tell couples is at least do something, one thing every year together. Do a course, read a book, do something to help you grow in your marriage. Because it's so important for you to understand that you need to keep investing. This is a lifetime thing. It's going to last all your life. It's meant to last all your life. And if you're single, a beautiful wedding, you just need to understand, a beautiful wedding does not a great marriage make. And I've been to weddings where there were beautiful weddings. I mean, spent millions of shillings, and months later, the couple are not even talking to each other. And so getting married to have a beautiful wedding is a terrible reason to get married. Reason number four, I can hear some quiet in the house right now because a lot of people are just getting convicted. Maybe I should just do the altar call right now, but let me keep going. <laughs> let me keep going. Number four, wrong reason, terrible reason to get married, to fix yourself. To fix yourself. Let me just say this. Some people get married because they believe if they get married, they will no longer be lonely or depressed or socially awkward or broke or unhappy or maybe they're addicted or in toxic relationships and, and, and they just, or, or maybe other unhealthy behaviors and they just feel like if I just find the right person, if I just, if I just settle down with the right person, things will work themselves out. But this is far from true. In fact, I wrote, uh, I wrote a book called F Finders Keepers, and some of you have read it. Uh, you can actually order this on Amazon, or you can get it from one of the Mavuno churches. And I wrote a book, uh, uh, an excerpt in this book that I'd just like to read uh, on this particular topic, on this particular issue. Uh, and it said this, A relationship only compounds the state it found you in. If you're lonely... <laughs> You, and you marry another lonely person, each of you will demand the other provide companionship that they are incapable of giving. And that's why they married you in the first place, to give them what you have and you marry them to give, <laughs> to give you what they have. If you're broken, you'll marry another broken person and each will demand the other heals them first. And then I continue to write, unhealthy people attract other unhealthy people with complementary dysfunctions. For example, people with addictions tend to be attracted to people who are codependent, in other words, saviors, people who have a need to be needed. And the worst thing is, your spouse will not only not be able to heal you, but they may actually oppose your healing when it starts to happen, because your remaining as you are is what is meeting their need. Oh my gosh, can you understand? Two very dependent people, each working hard to ensure that the other, the other never gets healed, because their need may not be met if that happens. My goodness, that is sad. It's depressing. Friends, getting married to fix yourself is a terrible reason to get married. Okay, before I, this gets too depressing, let me move to <laughs> terrible reason number five. <laughs> terrible reason number five. To fix your relationship. To fix your relationship. For some reason, many people seem to think that something magical happens when you get married and that all the fights and toxic cycles of behavior will disappear. And this is tragically misguided. You see, marriage has a strange way of amplifying all the facets of your relationship. So if you genuinely respect and value one another, then that value and respect will probably keep growing through your married life. But the same is true. <laughs> if you're bad at communicating now, that miscommunication will only continue to be amplified as you get married, uh, into your marriage. If your partner doesn't respect you now, they'll probably respect you even less once they've put a ring on your finger. If they're aloof and they're treating you badly now, they will probably treat you worse after you're married. Basically, marriage just amplifies what's already there. So getting married to fix your relationship is a terrible reason to get married. 
So these are the five terrible reasons why people are getting married today. And, and, and if these are the reasons, what are, what are some correct reasons? Are there some good reasons to get married? I want you to turn with me in the, in the scriptures because I believe the author of marriage, the inventor of marriage, actually talked about why he created marriage. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 to 28. And then we're going to read Genesis chapter 2, verse 20, 20 to 25. Genesis 1, 27 to 28. I'll start with that one. And it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sky and the birds, uh, fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then moving on to chapter 2, it says, verse 20, So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. And so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a dark sleep, a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Now in this passage, I see three biblical reasons for marriage. So if you've been at the place where you think, okay, these are all toxic reasons, what are some of the biblical reasons? What are some of God's reasons for inventing marriage? I call them the three I's. And the first one is intent to fulfill God's purpose. Intent to fulfill God's purpose. You see, the creator of marriage had a clear intent or purpose in mind. God had given a clear job description to humanity to, when he first created Adam, which had to do with influencing God's rule. Uh, uh, God's influence, God's rule on the world on behalf of the creator. God had created a caretaker, created a steward, created somebody to care over the world, to rule over the world on behalf of their creator. But then we hear that big word, but, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. You see, the problem with man's aloneness was not relational loneliness, but rather a lack of missional companionship. Can I say that again? It's not, lack of, it's not a relational loneliness that he's talking about when he says it's not good for man to be alone. He's talking about a lack of missional companionship. The task was too great to be achieved by one person alone. And so the Bible teaches us that each of us was created for a unique purpose. Every one of us was created. This purpose was even created before you were made. Ephesians 2.10 uh, says we are God's work, a handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God created in advance for us to do. And the most important thing you can do with your life is to discover God's purpose and to pursue the purpose he made you for. That's the most important task any of us can do. And if or when you get married, you want your spouse to be your destiny helper, the person who will help you achieve God's purpose. And you want to be their destiny helper as well. So listen to me. The worst relationship status is not single and lonely. <laughs> Rather, it is marriage to a spouse who doesn't only not understand, but actively sabotages your purpose. And that is a very common situation in many marriages today. So, so here's the thing. In, in the, we, uh, my wife, Cara, and I, we wrote an online course. It's called Couples and Money. And one of the most important things we try to do is help couples discover their joint purpose. We say that there's a reason God put you together. And, he, and there's a reason why God wants to bless you with resources. And you see, if you don't understand that, you won't understand that God put you together for something great. Something greater than the two of you. 
And when you, when you begin to understand that, you realize your spouse actually will help you. You cannot achieve that by yourself. You need your spouse to achieve God's purpose for you. When you fail to understand that, you become self-centered and self-absorbed. And your marriage becomes about your happiness. And when your spouse is not contributing actively to your happiness, they become your enemy. That's a major problem in many marriages today. And so the first thing is to understand that marriage was for purpose. Marriage was for intent to fulfill God's purpose. A second reason, second biblical reason for marriage is intimacy. Intimacy to reflect God's love. The second reason God, God gave marriage to humans had to do with, the, with intimacy. Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, <laughs> flesh of my flesh. It's like he goes, whoa, man. I mean, he sees her and he's like, whoa, man. She becomes a woman. You know? Okay, that's a joke. Uh, and, 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 and we read that the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. It's like God created marital and sexual love between the man and the woman. It was his idea. I mean, Adam didn't even contribute to the idea he was asleep. Are you getting this picture? It's like God actually is the one who created. Sometimes we, we, we think, and, and I think uh, the world has made us think that, that God is anti-sex. That God doesn't even care about this thing. It's something that you do hidden. You don't even want God to know about it. But this is not so. God actually wrote the original rom-com. It's like, wow, whoa, man. But here's the thing. This is not just a Hollywood rom-com. Uh, this is not just some nice romantic comedy from Netflix. This is not just about boy meets girl, sparks fly, they live happily ever after. It goes a lot deeper than that. The writer of the New Testament letter to Ephesians, he talks a bit, he defines for us what intimacy actually means. He quotes the passage we read today, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31 to 32, and then he goes a little deeper. He says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And then he adds this. His own, his own now addition to it. He says, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. You see, human marriage was, was given to us as a physical symbol of the intimacy between Jesus and the church. That's, that's a crazy thing. You know, we all, that's so mind-blowing. <laughs> you know, you think of sex as just this thing humans invented, this dirty thing. That's how we've been taught to think about. But no, no, no. This was actually a gift given to the first married couple to symbolize the love that Jesus would have for his church. So, so what's this intimacy supposed to look like? Let's talk about true biblical intimacy. Ephesians chapter 5 talks to husbands and talks about them loving their wives like Christ loved the church to the point of giving up his life for her. So husbands, I want to speak to any husbands in the house or aspiring husbands. Intimacy is not just about sex. It's about dying for your wife. You need to understand that you have to constantly put your wife's needs before yours. That's what it means to be intimate in God's eyes. To put her needs before, uh, before yours and to die for her. To, to actually be willing to die that she would actually live. So much that somebody who would be watching would say, Oh my God, now I understand just how much Jesus loves us. Wow! Look at that husband loving his wife. Look at him preferring her before himself. Look at him choosing to take the flock. Choosing to be the one who makes up after the argument. Choosing to never to be the one who forgives first. My goodness, that's how Jesus loves the church. You see, this is what it's meant to be. This is what intimacy is according to God's word. Ephesians chapter 5 also talks about wives submitting to their husbands as the church submits to Jesus. So wives, let me speak to wives and any aspiring wives in the house. Intimacy is not just about romance. It's about submitting to your husband as your spiritual leader. Not because he's brighter than or cleverer than you or better than you, but because God's intention is that anyone will watch you and say, Oh my God, 
Now I understand what it means to submit to Jesus. Wow! Look at her submitting to that guy. She doesn't feel like it. It's obviously not exciting for her to do that, but she's chosen to do it anyway. My goodness, I get it. That's how I'm supposed to, to submit to Jesus. Wow! <laughs> now let me just say this. Obviously, this you've never seen in a romantic comedy movie. It's not the love that Hollywood teaches us. And so it's not a surprise that we're making a, a mess of our relationships because we think intimacy is about us and we have no clue what God invented this thing for. Number one, intent. Number two, intimacy. The third purpose for marriage is increase. Increase to produce godly offspring. Now our passage tells us that humans were created male and female so they could be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, God created marriage as a vehicle through which humans would produce, protect, nurture, raise up the next generation. But again, this goes deeper than just having children. Uh, the prophet Malachi talked about uh, a season when God was really angry at the married men in Israel who were having affairs. And in Malachi chapter 2, verse 15, these guys were cheating on their wives. They were just doing their thing. They were, they were running around chasing young girls. And Malachi chapter 2, verse 15, he says, Has not the, the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. So he says, So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. <laughs> because running around after young girls is not going to produce godly offspring. See, this thing is not just about producing children. Anyone can do that, but it's about producing godly children. Every marriage should create a conducive environment to bring up godly children. Whether you're able to have biological children or not, whether you choose to have adopted children, uh, and let me just say this, every Christian couple should have spiritual children, people that you're mentoring, your marriage is being a blessing towards. Your marriage is the biggest signpost towards God that your children will ever have. Let me just tell you this. I mean, you can take them to church and drop them in church and let them be taught all the kinds of things that they're taught in Mavuno Kids. But unless your marriage is reflecting something, it could become the biggest block towards their knowing God. And this means that your happiness is not your first priority when it comes to marriage. You know, many people think that their marriage was to make them happy. Let me ask this question. Are you too busy at work to spend time with your kids, thinking that the best thing you can do for them is to take them to an expensive school? My goodness, you're missing the point. Are you so caught up in your happiness that you're walking away from your marriage and hoping that your kids will be fine as you co-parent them? That's a big thing, a big word today, co-parenting. I hear so many people saying, you know what, I don't want to be like my parents. The only reason my parents stayed together in marriage was because of the children. And I say, okay, I understand. That's not a good marriage by any definition. But it's actually a valid reason for staying together. The children. Because you see, bringing up children, God's way is a costly and sacrificial act. And the objective is not about yourself. It's about raising up godly adults who are actively pursuing their God-given purpose in our world. And it's, it's, it's a costly thing. And because we haven't understood this, it's almost like something stops working in marriage. I no longer have feelings and it's like I'm out of here. It's because we haven't understood that God's purpose in marriage is intent, intimacy, increase. So as you can see, very different reasons for getting married from what the world teaches us. And no wonder we're having such drama in our marriages today, even among Christians. So here's the thing, guys. I mean, we really need to understand that when you do marriage God's way, there's something beautiful. Marriage God's way works. The world will never teach you that, but it's a truth. And it's a hard truth that the world has given us all these lies about pursuing our hearts, seeking what makes us happy, walking out when we're no longer happy, but the result of that is just misery, broken hearts, 
and, and just a sense where it's just not working. And maybe insanity is for us to keep doing the same thing over and over and hope for a different result each time. How about we choose to try it God's way? How about we choose to, to, to seek God in our marriages, to make our marriages to be God-centered as opposed to us-centered? Hey, these are five terrible reasons why people enter into marriage and it's not working. But here are three that could change your life if you could reconfigure yourself to be about this three. Now, if you're single, I hope this has given you some kind of picture to help you begin to reflect and to think about what it is God could be calling you into. If you're married, maybe it's a place for you to examine your foundation and begin to think, what could God be saying about what we need to do in our marriage? Now, next week, I'm going to be sharing the one truth, <laughs> the one truth that will completely revolutionize your view of marriage. And you want to be here, make sure you bring your friends, invite your friends, your neighbors, your relatives. But I want to conclude in prayer right now and to pray for us. I want to pray for the single people. I want to pray for the married people who are here. And I just want to ask that we would just come before our Lord right now because He's here. And He, deliver, he desires to heal us and our views of marriage, our re views of relationship. He desires for us to have enjoyable, beautiful relationships, uh, not only with our spouses, but with the people around us. And so Father, I just want to pray right now for any single person who's watching this sermon. And Lord, uh, I, I, I don't know where they are right now when it comes to relationships. But Father God, I, I recognize that there are people right now, even as I speak, who maybe have been convicted by this message, that maybe have been focused on getting married for the wrong reasons. And maybe right now, I just want to challenge that single person, that if you're not already fulfilling God's purpose, marriage won't do it for you. And right now, maybe God is saying to you, begin to seek my purpose. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things, including relationships, will be added to you. Listen, if you're not raising spiritual offspring, you're not a disciple right now, this won't change once you become married. And so I just speak over you, single people in the house, and I pray that God will just give you much grace, much wisdom. I pray for just great relationships for you as you begin to understand the intent of God for marriage. I pray for those who are married here, and I just want to pray and challenge you that your marriage would would fulfill God's purpose that you would put yourself in a situation in a place where God can actually help you to understand what he made your marriage for for there's a reason that he put you together and I pray that Lord that, that even as your people listen to this message that father you would lead all the married people in the house to begin to desire a marriage that reflects the love Jesus has for the church and the submission that the church has for Jesus and I pray that Lord you would begin to give us a desire to bring up godly offspring and to make that a priority in our marriages Lord I pray thanking you because Lord even as we begin to understand none, most of us had no clue what you intended marriage for as we begin to jump into this as we begin to reconfigure our thinking your word says our minds will be transformed we'll be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we'll know your good and perfect and pleasing will I just want to pray for our people Lord for the people in this house that Father God anybody who's here who has heard this word that Lord the future of their relationships will be bright I pray that, Lord Jesus, they would walk in a way that honors you. And that, Lord, this church would be full of great relationships. Uh, whether people are single or married, that we would just have great, rich relationships because we understand what you made us for. And so I bless you, God's people. I bless you that this week you will walk in Jesus, that you will reflect him in the way you relate even to the people in the office, that you will be a blessing in your care, in your love, in your prayer for the people around you. I speak over you a blessing right now. I speak over you boldness to represent Jesus everywhere you go. And I bless you now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and God's people say it together. Amen.
Amen.